Let's open to Joshua chapter 1 today. I wanted to look at a new year today. Joshua chapter 1. Let's let's read uh, the first 11 verses, beginning with verse 1. The first 11 verses of Joshua chapter 1. It's recorded for us. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people to the land which I am giving them to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may uh, prosper in whatever you go, in wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not let, do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan and go to possess the land which your Lord God has given you to possess. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for today. I thank you for all that you're about in our lives. I just ask that you'll speak to our hearts right now, remove any hindrances uh, that would keep us from hearing you, and not only from hearing you, from you, but from obeying you. Father, within the sound of my voice, there are those who have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior. Would you convince them and convict them of their need to do that this very day, this very hour? Give them the courage to follow through with that publicly. Father, for those who need to come in rededication, for those who need to join the church by baptism, letter, or statement, for those who need to come and lay burdens down at your altar, You just have your way with us. What better way to start a new year, Lord, than to be in your house and to be in your will. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See, we're sort of in unknown territory because we're in the future. Uh, How many of you thought you'd live to see 2020? Some of you aren't going to admit to that. Okay, But it is is really uncharted territory. We don't know what the future holds for us. It could be very good. It could be very painful. We do not know. But the thing that I do know about the future is this, and you need to hang on to it. Our God has already walked there. He already knows. Past, present, and future, he knows or he wouldn't be God. And if we're going to face the future, if we're going to go forward the way God wants us to go forward, it's, it's very simple. We need to trust God and his plans and his ways. 
See, trusting God in his plans and his ways ensures a successful future. And so how do we go about doing that? And so that's what I wanted to look is, is how, okay? You know, we read these stories out of the Bible. I want you to assure you they're absolutely true. There's no error in Scripture. But it doesn't do any good just to read them if they do not apply to our lives today. And so you always need to be able to say, Lord, how does this apply to me? Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Lord, how do you want me to proceed in order to find it? I told the Wednesday night group that in your study, uh, uh, <clears throat> start doing some things in your daily devotion time. I, I'm assuming you are. Uh, try to read through the Bible every year. And uh, going to do something a little bit different this year than I've done in the past. That is, forever my my week's worth of reading in the scripture, I'm going to try to pick out one verse that God really impressed me with and write it down and why he impressed me and date it. And at the end of the year or halfway through the year, I'm going to check up and make sure that I'm doing what he revealed to me. And I would encourage you to do that too. That's the advertisement. Now let's go on. So how do we face the future? Okay. The first point is out of verses one and two. It's this. Let go of the past. I want you to say it with me. Let go of the past. One more time. Let go of the past. Notice what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am, I am giving to them, the children of Israel. You see, if you're going to... Live in the future, you have to let go of the past. Now, maybe that doesn't make sense, but the past can do certain things to us and for us. You realize the past can poison us. We think of all the mistakes, we think of how we failed, and it makes us not want to move forward. Uh, the, the past can position us in the present. We know where we have been, we know where we want to go, so we're looking for where God and how God would get us there. The, the past can also uh, uh, propel us into greater heights for God or greater follies for ourselves. But, but really, how do you let go of the past? Well, God had a plan. It was the first step in facing the future for Joshua. And he was telling him, let go of the past. Let go of the past where you failed. Let go of the past of the follies. Let go of the, uh, the, the past where you were victorious. Let pa past glories go by. I mean, think about it. Joshua was a guy who'd been trained by Moses. From a very early age, he was Moses' servant, Moses' assistant. From a very early age, he got to see how God worked with Moses. He even got to go up. On the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments with Moses. He had seen the great plagues that God had delivered them from Egypt. He had seen God's plan as they came to the edge of the promised land. And he got to be one of the twelve spies. One of only two, he and Caleb, that were still left. The rest of them had died because of the disobedience and we can't go into the land. They were the only two that had the positive report. You see, he knew God had a plan and he had to let go of the past because now... God reminded him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, he knew that. But see, he was still probably holding on to a little bit about it. 
holding on to, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, really? Me, God? Sometimes we're in that same thing. We remember our past rather than what God wants us to focus on in the future. And it holds us back. So you have to trust that God has a plan. And, and you can't live in the past and live in the present. And you can't live in the past and really march towards the future. Let's go on. The preparation I've already mentioned. I, I can't imagine... That everything that he had experienced at this point preparing, preparing him for this moment. Joshua, you get up and go across the Jordan. You get up and lead this people, this mighty people, my people, into the land that I promised to give their fathers. You, Joshua, are the one. You, Joshua, have to take the bull by the horns. And God reminds him. I imagine there was a little bit of, you, buddy. Moses is gone. I imagine there was a little bit of fear going on there. I imagine he can remember every time he had ever failed. I would imagine that he was sitting there thinking, follow Moses? No, no. You're leading. Moses is dead. But do what Moses did? No, no. It's you. Moses is gone. You need to let go of the past and get ready for your future. And I would ask this morning, what in your past are you hanging on to that keeps you from moving toward the future? See, this isn't just a new year. This is a new decade. And we'll complete it just like we did the last one unless Jesus comes back. Or God calls us home. Hallelujah. You see, if we're going to face the future, you've got to let go of the past. See, some of us won't let go of the past. Now, I want you to hear it because we were hurt. I hear it all the time. Oh, that preacher hurt me. That church hurt me. That church let me down. That church did this or didn't do that. On behalf of the church, on behalf of all pastors that are foilable, that means we make mistakes everywhere, I sincerely apologize that has kept you locked in a box and you have not become what God wants you to become because you're trapped in the past. Get out of the box. Forgive some folks and go forward with God. Some folks are trapped in the past because they don't want to see anything change. Ooh, we don't want to say that change. Ooh, we've never done it that way. Ooh, that's scary. Ooh, I don't like that. Now, I got something that's going to shock you a little bit. God really doesn't care whether we like it or not. What God cares about is, are we going to face the future with Him? Are we willing to move forward with Him? See, the scariest part is when we sense God calling us to do something and we don't want to do it and we've never done it that way before and, oh, it just gets right down to us. I don't want to do that. I don't have to do that. You don't. You can be trapped in your little box too. You see, facing the future is a scary thing. Some don't want to do it because, like I said, they change. Some have been hurt. Some don't want to do it because it's just hard. 
If you hasn't figured it out yet, your faith walk is not an easy walk. If you still think it is easy, then just wait a little bit and you'll discover it's not. And you say, well, that's just negative thinking. No, I think it's more realistic than negative, but if you want to call it negative, go ahead. Do you think it was easy for Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to leave all of heaven's glory? Come down and be born as a baby to a young virgin and a carpenter and then grow up and walk among sinful men. He is perfect. The Bible tells us he was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. He did not sin. So everything he saw as holy offended him. Yet he still went after folks who were sinners. And so you don't want to go forward because going forward would be hard. How hard was it for Jesus to carry that cross after being beaten to Mount Calvary? How hard was it when they plucked his beard and spit on his face and called him all kinds of vile names? I mean, here is the one true God, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. And he could, could have called down... 10,000 legions of angels to destroy everything for what they were doing to him. And yet on that cross, his first words, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing, what they are doing. Mm. How hard was it for him to be separated from the Father for the first time in all of eternity? Well, I don't believe he was separated. God was right there. God can't look on sin. My Bible says that he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God in him as I accept him by faith and repent of my sins. He experienced the wrath of God the Father for my sin and for your sin. You can't tell me that isn't harder than anything we've ever had to do. And then he just says lovingly, come on, follow me. We're going to the future. There's no excuse for not following God, of letting go of the past. See, one of the things I think that hurt me the most was I went back to North Little Rock this past spring. And I got to preach at the church I used to pastor. I got to preach their 50th anniversary. I had to tell them we had 150 here, but you know. But it was our 50th anniversary. And what I noticed was I saw some folks that had aged quite a bit. Because I've been here 20 years and they're still there. But it's how they were stuck in the past. Now was I honored to be asked? Yes. But I didn't understand it because they had had a pastor after me for about 12 years. And I thought he should have been doing it. And he actually was there. I couldn't believe that. And the example was this. Well, Brother Gay, when, when you and Miss Liz was here, the church really grew, and blah, 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 blah. And we had good times. And everybody just thinks that was the happiest time of the church. And to them, that sort of justified me being there. To me, that made me want to leave. The happiest time was that little six-year period in your 50 years. That little time when God moved because you were willing to work. 
And so believe me, they got hammered about, I don't care how gray-headed you are, until God calls you home, you're supposed to work in the kingdom. And two or three of them said, oh, I forgot how you preached. I said, well, you shouldn't ask me then. <laughs> but you see, they didn't want to let go of the past. God had done some miraculous things while we were there, you know. Uh, he really had. Um, but... He was still wanting to do with that church. Liz and I drove around before we preached. We drove around the day before when we got down there. And imagine a church that's there in a city in North Little Rock. And when I was there, out where the church was, there was lots of woods. Now they've, they've started building houses, hundreds of new houses. They're going to build over 10,000 houses supposedly in the next 10 years. And there they are, not two miles away from that. If that's not a mission field, I don't know what is. But they, oh, we just don't have enough people to do that. And I thought, uh, pardon me? Jesus turned upside the world upside down with 12 people. It wasn't they don't have enough people. They want to hold on to the past. Now listen to me. The past gives us, like I said, security for the future if we followed God in the past. But that doesn't mean we quit following God. You need to let go of the past. And see what God wants to do, Castle Baptist Church, with you in the future. What he wants to do with me in the future. I told Matthew, you know, um, I'm on the back half of my ministry. He's just getting started out. He's got a whole bunch of good stuff coming up. But I'm so glad that I've been through that good stuff. So have you let go of the past? What is holding you back from truly letting go and letting God lead you in the future? Let it go. I can't say that around my grandsons because they start singing that song. Let it go. Let it go. Don't want to hold it back anymore. That ought to be the Baptist theme song. Let it go. Don't want to hold God back anymore. Let's go to the second thing before I chase too many rabbits. They're, they're going <clears> to, <throat> some of the sound guys have decided that I need to be uh, reminded that I'm chasing rabbits because sometimes their tails prop up and I just chase them and I'm sorry. That's why I have an outline so that I don't do that. And so if you hear the sounds of baying dogs, they're going to get some beagles and they, whenever you hear that, you know they figured out I'm chasing a rabbit. So. <laughs> the second thing is this, not only do you need to let go of the past, you need to find God's plan. You see, it, it, it is relevant for us to find God's plan and what he wants to do. And in, in verses 2 through 4, he tells them that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. And then he tells him, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Does that promise sound familiar from Jesus? Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Wow. You see, we're supposed to find God's plan. You know, God called Joshua and told him the plan. Get up, get ready, you're going across the river. Buddy, you're the leader. Come on. 
And the reaction. See, as I said, it's always scary. How would you like to have tried to replace Moses? Oh, my goodness. How how scary was it to face the people of war? Because all of his life, Joshua basically knew war. But he found God's plan and he started following. You see, Henry Blackaby said it better than I ever could when he said, When you see God at work, you know that's God's plan. Join him in the work. That's your invitation. You don't have to say, well, God, I don't know about this. Is this really your will? If you see God working and the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, that's your invitation to join God in the work. And it'll be different for each of us, what God allows us to see, because he has different plans for us, but it's all one plan. You see, and the ultimate plan is for the kingdom, for his glory, so that Jesus reaches people before he comes back again. That don't ring your bell. Your clapper's broken. If you don't know what a clapper is, go right out to that bell and look up inside. There won't be there won't be uh, waspers in at this time of year, so you can you can do that. You see, for Joshua and the people to possess the land, they had to follow God's plan. For us to possess what God wants us to possess as a church, as a people of God in our area, we have to follow God's plan too. Well, well, what is that plan? Well, let me assure you that I know God's ultimate will for your life. Personally. No, you can't do that. Sure I can. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ personally, God's ultimate plan for you is to surrender and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Now, some of the little other plans that he has for you, he wants you not only saved and following him in baptism, he wants you serving in the kingdom. I can guarantee that's God's will for every Christian, that you're growing in Christ. And you do that as you study your Bibles and pray and serve. You want me to really get going here? It's God's will for you to grow enough to tithe. You knew I was going to say that. And it is. It's God's will that you know enough scripture that you can share your faith. I'm going to keep going. You need to understand that God has an ultimate will that glorifies him. And he has a permissive will where he says, you follow me. And as you're following me and led by the Holy Spirit, I'll lead you to things that are okay. They're, they're, They're more than okay. They're good for you and they're good for me. You see, we need to find God's plan. We need to follow. Amos. Chapter 3, verse 7 says this. Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophets. God doesn't do anything without revealing stuff to his people. What does he want from this people? He'll reveal it if we seek him. Let's go on. I'm going to run out of time real quick. You say, amen. See, you, you need to let go of the past. You need to find God's plan. You need to feast on the word of God. Look look at verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. 
Woo, a simple plan. Do you realize he didn't say, keep those cards and letters coming. If you'll just sow faith to me, you'll be blessed. He didn't say, man, come up here and I'll slay you in the spirit and you'll be all right. He gave us a way to be prosperous and successful and it amounts to this, feasting on the word of God. We're to feast on the word of God. I like the way one pastor told me, he said, Gary, we need to grab a hold of God's word and God's word needs to grab a hold of us. You know, you approach your Bible study, but oh, what now? Oh, man, it's Chronicles. Uh. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. Oh, my goodness, I got a headache. Or it's, man, let's see what God's up to in his word today. Need to feast on God's word. Now, he told us how to do that. He said, talk about it. Don't let this... Book of the law, depart from your mouth. You're home. Talk about it. Well, I live alone. Talk about it anyway. Nobody's there to correct you. You know, get together as Christians. Talk about it. Talk about it on the phone. Talk about it with your families at supper. Okay? And I assume you're still having suppers as families. Oh, I don't like that response. I'm too busy. There's too much going on in the world for you not to be home for supper. Unless you're out of town working, you be with your family at supper time. Turn off all the phones. You make them real mad. They'll be so mad they can't listen to anything else but you. What'd you learn today at school? Oh, why do we not believe that? And then share some scripture that God has given you that week because you've been in your in the Word. See, don't let it depart from your from your mouth. You're, you're to talk about it. You're to think about it. Meditate on it day and night. Why do you need to meditate on it? Because some of you are like me and God has to give you an attitude adjustment. Be driving down the road, thinking about what I wrote down that day and what God taught me. Ooh, I didn't see that coming, God. Well, you need to do this. You forgot that part of it. Ooh, boy, I did. Meditate on it. And then he says, live it. Be careful to do everything that's written. Don't turn from the right or the left, and you'll have great success. You talk about the power of positive thinking. It comes from feasting on the word of God. I've talked to you before and shared the story of George Mueller. Uh, George Mueller founded uh, orphanages all over London and on a few other continents. And they said, how did he do that? Because he never borrowed a dime. He'd just pray and God provide money somehow. He'd pray and God provide food. He prayed and God provide a building. He prayed, God provide teachers and all these orphanages that he was the head of. He shared this. In his lifetime, he read through the Bible 200 times. A hundred of those times, he was on his knees taking notes to what God told him to do. You want good success? Feast on the Word of God. He was so known for his prayers that people would come to him and ask for stuff. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you go and do this and I'll pray for you. No, no, you pray first. He said, no, no, if you're not going to put feet to your prayers, I ain't praying. And they learned to do what he told them to do. You see, when we know God's will, when we grab a hold of it, and we feast on the word of God, it gives us prosperous and successful. And that means acting wisely or prudently. It means that God can use us for any good work. 
didn't Jesus or Paul say the same thing when he said, I know he who began a good work in you or completed until the day of your salvation? Let's go on. So you got to let go of the past, find God's plan, feast on God's word. You got to follow in faith. See, faith is not passive. We think that faith is sitting there. Oh my, I wish, I hope. No, faith is active. When you're struggling with God in prayer, it's going to be the hardest work you've ever done if you're really having faith. God, are you sure? Me? See, faith moves us when everything else is screaming at us. Don't do that. Be still. I can't be still. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. Hmm. See, God helps our faith. Think about Joshua. He has followed out of the land of Israel. He's been condemned to wander for 40 years with Moses. Now Moses is gone. Now God is calling him. Do you realize that he's 80 years old about this time? And now he has to lead them into war. He's already seen how stubborn they are. He's already seen how bad they could be. And yet God is saying, you're 80 years old now, your work starts. What did you call all this other stuff? I was preparing you. You think because of your age that God tells you, you can sit down, I did my turn. Eh. Wrong answer. You think, well, I'm too young. God isn't preparing me. Eh. Wrong answer. How old was David when he was anointed king? He said he was still a ruddy youth. That means he had acne. That's young. Praise God, I don't have to be that young anymore. Some of y'all that want to go back to when you was 20, y'all crazy. I want to know what I know. Doesn't matter, you'd make different mistakes. Have you ever thought about that? One life, I'm ready to get to where no more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow, and we get to be with Jesus. Am I wanting to go there tomorrow? No, I want to see little Maddox be saved. I want to see him do whatever God wants to do in their lives because I've been praying for that since before they were born, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I mean, you never know what's coming out of that boy's mouth. His daddy built him a new bed. He went upstairs. He didn't say anything about the bed. He said, why are there goat pens in our bedroom? Y'all don't get that, but you know his daddy does all that stuff with goats, sheep, and cows. And so he'd seen a wooden crate with goats in it. So he just thought that bed was a, he he was going to have him a goat at home. But you see, it's that kind of imagination that tells me that God has special things. You praying for your grandkids that way? You praying for the next generation that way? Most positive thing I can tell you is I look at at folks like uh, Brother Galen. And folks like Matthew and other young men that are serving God. And I think, oh, the next generation is exciting. And I'm ready to let them have it. Almost. Until God calls me home or tells me to quit. But are we following in faith? See? If you looked at verse 6, 7, 9, 11, God encourages him at least four times. Be strong and of good courage. Follow me. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. No man's ever going to stand before you all the days of your life. I mean, those are some positive things if he just follow in faith. Is he did it for him? You don't think he's going to do it for us in this day we live in when things are so hard to be a Christian? Just follow in faith. Now, that's easy for me to say. It's hard for us to do. 
It's costly. It's inconvenient. It's hard. It's, it's uh, dealing with people. Okay. For those of you that have been hurt by people in church, I'm sorry again. But guess what? I have too. And God hasn't said it's time to quit yet. As I told you before, I'm, I'm not ever surprised by what lost people do. They're lost. They don't know Jesus. It scares me to death what saved people will do. What about you? Are you looking for God to do something with you this year in the future? Are you looking to grow as you've never grown before? Are you looking to see God move in ways that are just astounding and nobody can do it but God? If you are, he's calling you to join him and follow him into the future in 2020 and beyond. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you have listened to me and you've just dismissed it. I don't want to be saved. I'm not going up there in front of everybody. I, 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 I. Hey, this is a new decade. We're promised today, but not tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you, but you have this chance to get it right with God. He brought you here today to be saved. And you need to surrender to Jesus Christ by confessing Him as your Lord and Savior, placing your faith in Him, repenting of your sins. And I can help you do that right here at this altar. You don't have to speak. I won't even make you look out at everybody. You can close your eyes and I'll tell you what to do. And if you're really afraid, grab somebody's hand beside you. And if they don't help you down the aisle, I'm going to smack them. Okay? Some of you need to put your life and work here. You know this is where God wants you. And you need to join the church by baptism or letter or statement. How we receive members. Some need to come in rededication. It's not that you've been doing awful things. You just haven't been doing much of anything. And I don't know that. God knows that. And you need to come in rededication and surrender whatever future you have left to Him. Some have terrible, terrible burdens. You don't know how you're going to make it few the next few months. It might be health. It might be loved ones. It might be family members. It, it, it might be a job. It might be financial stuff. You need to come and surrender those burdens to Jesus. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand and sing. Father, let your will and only your will be done during this time. In Christ's name, amen.